Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Wednesday night, what a good-looking Wednesday night congregation, amen? Welcome those that are watching online, like my parents that can't be here. That's when it's a blessing, when there's a sickness or recovery or whatever. It's a blessing to have that. Amen. We did get over, I saw uh, this, I got an email this week, over 500 subscribers. Amen. So let's keep building that up and sharing that with people. Amen. How many came for a word tonight? Did you come to get some food? Amen. To get fed by the word of God. Amen. Changed, transformed, challenged, grow. Amen. Learn this tonight. Amen. Get your notebooks out, your Bibles. How many got your Bibles? Let's see your Bible. Lift up them Bibles tonight. Amen. The power of the word of God, the, the sword. If I say the word iniquity, how many would, would be honest tonight and, and lift your hand and say, I, I understand what iniquity is. Lift up your hand. Okay, you got a good understanding of what iniquity is. So that, that shows that this is a good message because a lot of us don't. Amen, myself included. Sometimes there's things we're learning and understanding. Amen, I do obviously have an understanding, but I want to get a better understanding. Tonight I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Lord, you put this on my heart, and I, and I ask you to help me explain it. Help me to get it across from my mouth, from my heart to my mouth, and my mouth to their ears tonight. I ask that you bring fruit from this. And Lord, I ask you to just anoint every word spoken and Lord, we lift up your name tonight. We're here to glorify you. We're here to lift up the name that is above every name. We thank you for being such a good God, a faithful God, a healing God, a miraculous God. And we thank you that the powers of Satan are exposed and defeated. In Jesus' name, we glorify you. And we thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Say, I receive tonight. Amen from the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is a verse I sent out this week, and we're going to talk a little bit about this word iniquity, understanding iniquity. A lot of, sometimes there's a word that's a big word in the Bible, and uh, we understand a little bit of it, but maybe we don't understand the, the I want to say really, the, I guess the best thing I can say in this, to start this off, is the seriousness of it. Amen? We talked about the blood on Sunday. If you missed that message, please go back and listen to it. It's vital to your salvation. It's vital to your understanding of, of, of uh, how we get to heaven. And this tonight is going to give us a greater understanding of why we need the blood. Okay, so we talked about the blood, and, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And uh, tonight we're going to understand the, the seriousness or the gravity of our sin and why that blood is so important. So 2 Timothy 2.19 will be a foundation verse, and then I'm going to be using a lot of Scripture tonight. So just get ready to read with me and uh, get understanding and growth and be discipled by it. It says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. How many know we're trying to build a solid foundation in our faith? Having this seal. Now this is a whole other message in itself. The Lord knows who are his. I'm glad the Lord knows your name tonight. Amen. Just to throw this out there before I continue reading, this is very important. Remember, 
that your name is the only thing you can take to heaven with you. There'll be no bank accounts. There'll be no houses. There'll be no cars. There'll be no possessions in heaven. Uh, the only thing that gets you into heaven is Jesus and your name. And so the Bible says our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Anybody whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life or who are not gods, this says he knows who are his, whoever are not gods, uh, we're going to find out through this that are, are people who have not dealt with their iniquity. Okay, you following me so far? And people who, are not, who don't deal with their iniquity and don't make heaven their home will be in the other place that God talks about, which is hell, which is separation from God, and, the, and there will be no names in hell. We talked about this a couple weeks ago at Discipleship. How I many there's a lot of famous people in the world? Rich, famous, known people in the world. You can start throwing out names of people who are famous and, and they walk into a place and people just faint and they just cry and they just act crazy and they want to touch them. They want to get their autograph and all these different things. And the truth is, in this world, they're powerful people with a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of power and a lot of influence. They're nobodies in hell. Nobodies. Matter of fact, if, if you threw out those names, and I'm not going to name any names, doesn't matter what they are, they're, 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 they're known here and will not even be known in hell at all because there will be no names in hell. I'm going to follow me. So, so iniquity is something that can destroy your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. So he says, he knows who are his. And he says, let everyone whose name, who names the name. Now, we talk about this all the time. There's lots of people who say the name of Jesus, but don't know him. Lots of people who claim to be Christians, but don't live like it. Lots of people who claim to be a believer, but their lifestyle does not uh, follow up with that. It's, it's just words. And it says, whoever names the name, here's, here's something that should happen if somebody names the name of Jesus Christ and says, I believe Jesus is my Lord. I believe Jesus is salvation. It says, what should we do there? Depart from iniquity. Okay, so there's a, a, a job here, which again, to make this clear, especially for someone who's here for the first time or you're new to the Lord, to not get a misunderstanding on this, I'm always trying to make this clear. We talked about it on Sunday with the blood of Jesus. There's nothing, somebody shout nothing. nothing. Say it again one more time. Nothing. Add an absolutely to it nothing. that you can do to deserve salvation. Nothing. Okay? We are saved by grace. Okay? How many got that? It's nothing. But once we get saved, once we believe in Jesus Christ, we have a, there's nothing we shouldn't do. We got a lot to do. And it starts with this verse with departing from iniquity, going the opposite way. And so iniquity must be pretty bad if we're supposed to depart from it. Okay? It doesn't just say, you know, stay away from it. It says depart from it. The reason we say depart from it is because we're born in it. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. We're born in iniquity. But as this verse is there, we would keep this as a, as a solid foundation. We're saying if we're going to name Jesus as Lord and Savior, we need to depart from iniquity. Here's the definition of iniquity. Simple definition, but strong. Gross injustice. Wickedness. 
a wicked act or thing. Another word for it can be sin, but sin would, is, was, is not strong enough because iniquity is greater. Sin is, in, iniquity is sin, but to a, a tenth power or a hundredth power or a millionth power. It's greater. Okay? So let me, let me, let me make this sense. All iniquity is sin, but not all sin is iniquity. Did y'all get that? Okay, everything that is iniquity, and we're going to go over this a little bit more to see what iniquity is. Every, all iniquity is sin, but not all sin is iniquity. Here's an example. If somebody is coming up to a stop sign, and they make a mistake, an honest mistake, and they go through that stop sign and hit somebody and kill them, that's a sin. Right? Because sin is not doing what you're supposed to do. Knowing what you're supposed to do and not do it. Human mistake, but it's still a sin. So that would be a sin. Iniquity would be coming up to the stop sign, knowing someone's in the road, and going through it and killing them on purpose. How many see the difference there? One is an honest mistake of human nature because we are sinners. The other one is a decision to sin. Now with me. Did you see that? Trying to make it the most simple possible understanding you can do. So, so human error, that happens all of our lives. All the time, we are making mistakes out of human error. We get angry, we get frustrated, we do this, we do that. And those are things that we're not, it's almost like murder and premeditated murder. Okay, there are murders, there are, there are murders that happen that, are, that, are, that happen out of an accident. Still called murder. But it's not premeditated. Iniquity is premeditated sin. Thought out, understood under even knowing the consequences and still committing it. So does that make sense? So he says, in other words, as we begin to name the name of Jesus Christ, we should no longer be doing things that are iniquity. We should no longer be sinning sins that are premeditated, that we know are wrong, that we know have a consequence. Our sins should be those sins that are mistakes of human error, like going through the stop sign or not seeing it or, or all those different things. I can give you a million examples, but just want you to try to get and understand what it means. So let's look at a few different things that are very powerful and look at three kind of sets of verses. Go to Romans chapter 6, and, and let's look at what Paul says. Now Romans 5, you should read Romans 5 later, and, and, and it's powerful because it's the math of the gospel. Remember that the math of the gospel is one person sinned and messed up, Adam, even though we saw Sunday, Eve did it first, and Adam's still responsible. Amen? Why? Why is Adam responsible? Are we paying attention on Sunday? Because the man's responsible. Right? Is that true? Yes. Yes, it's true. So Eve did it first, sinned. We saw that Sunday. I, I didn't, wasn't going to waste time on it because it wasn't, but she said she sinned first. Right? Amen? 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 She sinned first. But then he gave it to Adam, she gave it to Adam, and he sinned with her. His responsibility was to, first of all, say no to her, but not only that, to try to get her to where she wouldn't have. Where was he at when that happened? So he's responsible, and Adam sinned, and because he sinned, sin came in the world, and so his one sin contaminated the whole world. From that moment until the future, until Jesus comes back, Right? And then Romans 5, the math of the gospel is that one man came, Jesus, 
died on the cross, took our place for the punishment of sin, and eliminated all the sin of the world that would be confessed. Everybody with you? With me on that? So as we come into chapter 6, let's pick it up and start reading. Verse 1. And what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace would abound? Certainly not. How shall we die? How shall we who died to sin? See, when you were born again, you were just that, born again. You, if there's that whole thing, I don't, I don't, I don't like the way I was born the first time. Get born again, okay? Get born again. Anybody who has any kind of confusion in this world about who they are, how they live, or what any of that stuff, get born again. Once you're born again, the Bible says you died to sin and no longer live in it. Okay? Next verse. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in what? Newness of life. That's the goal. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness, and that's good news, of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, how many know your old man? Y'all know your old man? Yeah, you do. I don't know your old man, but you know your old man. You know who it is. You know what you like to do. You know what your old man did, right? There's an old man there. And that old man died when you got saved. But that old man in the flesh wants to resurrect every day. And that's the key today of this verse as you start to go forward with this is how can I not walk, how can I depart from iniquity? I need to die to my flesh every day. So it says that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. If God says we can no longer be slaves of sin, how many believe that's true? We can, we can be in a place where we are no longer slaves of sin. You know what, what does it mean to be a slave? It means you're told to do something you don't want to do. So we have to learn to tell our flesh, no. We have to learn to tell our desires, no. That's not who I am anymore. That's not what I do anymore. That's not where I go anymore. That's not what I say anymore. That's not how I act anymore. That's not how I think anymore. That's not what I listen to anymore. That's not what I watch anymore. That's not how I treat people anymore. That's, that's the old man. He died. He's dead. Don't let him resurrect again. This is what this is trying to tell us. So we'll no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been what? Do you believe that? Freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, now remember, just to, I said this just a few minutes ago, but just to reiterate it again, this is after being saved, not before. For when you give your life to Jesus, this is when the work starts that we're understanding all this. Having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over us. Amen? 
For the death that he died, Jesus, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you, that was Jesus, likewise you also, when was the last time you woke up and reminded yourself, hopefully today, I'm, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead. I don't live anymore. I live for Jesus. That desire that I have to do something wrong is dead. That person's not, I'm not going to, can you imagine church uh, talking to, entertaining, touching, anything dead? Yet we do it all the time with our own bodies, with our own selves. We play with dead things. We mess around with our dead selves. We talk to our dead selves. We entertain the desires of our dead selves. They're, They're dead. We should leave them dead. Don't let them come back alive again. Don't give them any breath. Don't give them any power. Don't give them any any, uh, opportunity. This is now on us. Not salvation, but walking in newness of life. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Let me ask you a question. If Paul's telling us, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, is it possible for sin to not reign in your mortal body? Whether you said yes or not, it is. It's it's possible. If it wasn't possible, he would say try. He didn't say try. He said let not sin reign in your in your body so that you should obey it in it, 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 it sorry in its what? Lust. There's a decision there. Every opportunity that your mind, body, spirit, thoughts, actions wants to sin and be lustful, you have the opportunity to say no. That's what he's trying to tell us. And don't present your members, that means all of your body, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Amen? Don't worry, this isn't a shouting hallelujah, amen message. It's a good, strong, powerful discipleship message. For sin shall not have dominion. This is about the third time it is said that over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Amen? How many are thankful for that tonight? So in other words, remember this. Write this down if you have never heard me say it. And make it in big capital letters. And never forget it. Grace is for when you mess up or sin. Say it again. Grace is for when you mess up or sin. Not so you can mess up or sin. Did y'all get that? Because that's what's happening today in our church world, unfortunately. There's this greasy grace, this license to sin. We're saved by grace so we can do whatever we want, and that's not what the Bible says. And people just walk around as Christians. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. I feel like doing this or that or the other and pull out our salvation card and say, I'm saved by grace, and that is not what God intended. He wants us to live holy lives. 
because our lives are worthy of living holy for what Jesus did on the cross for us. Can I get a better amen? Now Micah, the book of Micah, is going to show us something here in a moment. Chapter 2, that's pretty powerful. It's going to make it very clear. Let me go back again to coming up to the stop sign, humanly making the mistake of not stopping, whatever it was. You might have been on your phone, which you shouldn't have been on. You might have been uh, thinking about something else. You might have, what it could be, just, just life's going on. Maybe you're stressed from, you're getting home in a hurry because you got to go somewhere or, or your kids are sick, whatever. You pass that stop sign on human error, the sin nature that's in you, and you have an accident and you kill somebody, but you did not premeditate that sin. You did not plan on doing that. It happened out of human error. That's sin. Iniquity is when I get to that stop sign, if I see that person that I don't like in the middle of the street, I'm running the stop sign. I'm, this is my opportunity to take them out. That's iniquity. Planned sin. Right? Amen? How many know every day when you get tempted? Now, obviously, you're not, remember, you're not going to be so tempted in things that, that are not weaknesses for you. Just to give you an example for me, I don't have to tell you what my weaknesses are or what my strong weaknesses were, but I can tell you what they're not. And some of what's not for me is for you. But you could sit any kind of alcohol in front of me, any kind of flavor, cold, hot, strong, weak, whatever it is, I'm not going to be tempted to drink it. So the devil is not going to tempt me because that's not a temptation for me. He's going to come at me in the areas that I have failed in the past, in the areas that I was the weakest at, because he knows my weaknesses. So understand that every single day, whatever your weaknesses are, that's what's going to be in front of you. And when that temptation comes, you have an opportunity to fall into it and sin and, and commit iniquity, or you have the opportunity to say, no, I'm dead to that. Do you understand that you have the power to say no? You do. Let's, let's stop the excuses. Let's quit the I don't have control. Let's quit the that's who I am. Let's quit that that's, that's just how I feel. Quit all that. Stop all that. You're mocking and stepping on the blood of Jesus when you do that, like we mentioned on Sunday. We have the power in Christ to say no to the temptations in front of us. Are you with me tonight? Are you seeing the difference between sin and iniquity? Okay, plan, premeditated sin. Over and over, doing the same thing that you know is wrong, and you keep doing it because God's a good God and He's full of grace. And like I said to you the other day, I, it's really playing Russian roulette with your walk with God. It's really messing around. Okay, here's what Micah 2 says, verse 1. Any verse that starts with woe, should pay attention to. Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. In other words, they're at night thinking. Some of you used to be like this. 
used to think about how you could get over on people. You used to think about how you could hurt people. You used to think about how you could, you could please your lifestyle at night. All right, I got some head nod in here. Devising your iniquity. At morning light, they practice it. It's another key of what iniquity is. Iniquity is sin practiced. Right? When you practice something, you get good at it. Right? Practice makes perfect. However you practice, you'll play. So if you practice sin, you're going to be a good sinner. If you practice falling in those temptations, you're going to fall over and over again. So the key is where God wants us to get to, the goal he wants us to have, is that we are no longer, and listen, I want to say this again, because you can be there, you should be there, God wants you to be here, you can be in a place where you no longer practice sin. Does anybody in here believe that that's possible? Yes. Not only is it possible, it's God's will. It's what God requires. Amen? Are you all with me? You all following me? You understanding? When, when, you, when you make a mistake, you fall, you fail, and especially when you first get saved, it, when you first get saved, you've got to understand something. You are just like a newborn baby getting up trying to walk. Ever just, 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 just got to where she don't hardly fall anymore. Now she wants to walk everywhere. Just at that age where, you know, they stand up and they walk a few steps and they fall. And then they stand up and they fall. And, and then all that, that, that whole thing that lots of babies in the church, that's what you look like when you're a newborn believer. You're not supposed to look like that after two or three or five or ten years. Okay? It's the same thing. Babies drink milk. Adults drink, eat meat. Okay? Am I telling the truth? Okay, so we should no longer, as Romans 6, 1 said, be practicing sin. And I know this is something that's hard to understand. It's hard to, to believe it's possible, but the Bible tells us we can do it. I can do a few of the things Christ through Christ who gives me strength. Is that what it says? How many things? That means overcoming sin, right? So he says that de devising iniquity is, is being thought out at night. In other words, you're, you're, you just did a sin, and you're thinking, I'll do it again tomorrow, and I'll just ask for forgiveness. That's iniquity. And then it goes, that last part of that verse says, because it is in the power of their hand. How many know you have the power to say yes or no tonight? Yes? Now, let's go to Psalms 51, one of the best chapters in all the book of Psalms. You're going to recognize a few of these verses, but a lot of times we hear a verse. I know this too. I'm like this too. I know a verse. I heard a verse. I have a verse memorized. But sometimes I forget the verses that are before and after that are so powerful. How many of you ever remember David saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God? It's actually a song about it. And, and, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Right? Many people know that. Well, let's start back at verse 1 and, and look how he opens up. This, remember that David, take it down for just a second. Let me give you something important here. David committed iniquity. Right? Do we know our Bible? 
David committed iniquity. In other words, he, he planned and devised his sin. And I'll, and I'll go over just a little bit of that to give a little foundation. But remember, that where we're going with this is that David, the Bible says, is a man after God's heart. So you can have practiced iniquity and done those things and be forgiven. Thank God. So David devises to sleep with Bathsheba. He has time to think about it. He has time to go over there, to have her come over. He has time to do the act. He has time to cover it up. He has time to repent after the act. And instead of repenting of it in his iniquity, not only does he sin there, he sins again by devising a plan to kill the man whose wife he had sex with so that he couldn't prove, they couldn't prove that that baby was not his, her husband's. So he's devising, he's, he's sinning, and now in picking up in Psalm 51, remember that our goal needs to be, I can make it like David did. Tell the person next to you, you can make it. But do you remember tonight as I get into this for just a minute that Jesus said that the road to heaven is wide? Is that what he said? How is it? Narrow and few there find it, not because it can't be found, because we don't hate sin enough. We don't love Jesus enough. Why would Jesus say that if we could just simply believe in him and just automatically just get to heaven and we're just automatically saved and there's nothing that can change that, why would Jesus say the road is narrow? That few find it. But the road to destruction is wide because we have to make decisions. We have to hate sin like God does. And when, say when, because there will be wins. We make a sin. We make a mistake. We deal with it. We repent of it. We make it right. And we make the decision, I'm never going to do that again. So David is picking up here in Psalm 51. He has already committed iniquity. But watch what, says, watch what it says here as we read this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your Loving kindness. This goes back, church, to remember that we can only go forward. Can't go backwards. Amen? Can't unscramble scrambled eggs. Can't go back and fix what you've already done. It's under the blood. But you can fix what's coming up. You can make sure you don't do it again. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my what? Iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. So we see that sin and iniquity, although similar, are different. Sin is devised. Sorry, iniquity is devised sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. Transgressions would be another type of sin. How many know that there's robbery and there's, what's it called when it's planned? And some of y'all in here maybe have been... Huh? Premeditated? There's another word I thought. Come on, somebody in here had to have been arrested for that. When you, like, broke in and burglary, that's another one. What is it? 
I can't hear what you're saying, but that's probably right. For anyways, there I know there I know there's something with you. You didn't just like oh well, this is this is in my house, right? Like oh it's the wrong house. My bad. You went there with the intent to break in and steal stuff, right? Y'all with me on that? So trespassing. That's that's a good one. Okay, transgression, trespassing. You are knowingly forcing your way in. We can sin that way. Knowingly, forcibly do what we shouldn't do. Or what doesn't God have boundaries? God sets boundaries and says, don't, don't cross this line. And we knowingly do it. You know how risky we are as people? We're pretty, we're pretty risky. He says, don't cross that line. Because here's what we don't understand, and I want you to catch this if you don't catch anything else, especially you young people. What is your promise that you'll come back around of that line? Tell me what your promise is. Do you have that much faith that you can cross the line that God says not to cross, and I'll definitely come back and get right? That's the problem. That's the problem. And that's the attitude we shouldn't have because when we have that attitude, we're playing games with fire. He says don't cross that line. I should have the attitude. Not only am I not going to cross it, I'm going to be as far away from that line as I can. So I'm not even near the line. So even if a strong wind comes, it can't push me over that line. That's what depart from iniquity means. It doesn't mean just go around it. It means go the opposite direction. If it takes a lot longer to get there, it'll take a lot longer to get there. But I got to go way out of my way because I'm not going anywhere near that line because if I go over that line, I might not come back. And I'm going to get to that. That's transgressions, trespassing. That's knowing. Think about the people that do that, the risk that they're taking, going into a house. You got to be pretty bold to go into someone's house. Even if you know they're home, they're not home. Amen. If you got to my house and no one's home, and you get around to the back door, you're gonna be looking through the glass at two German shepherds. <laughs> they gotta be pretty bold to go in that house. Amen. You gotta be pretty pretty bold to know how many guns are in that house. It's a risky thing. We do risky things when we're sinners. And he says, my sin is always before me. Stay with me here. Against you. Here's the key. Against you, God. When, you know when you're going to stop sinning like you, like you do now? You know when you're going to stop doing iniquity? When you realize you're sinning against God. Not just making a mistake and doing a bad thing, but it's God you're sinning against because you love him so much. The more you love God, the less you sin. Period. Amen? I have sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, watch this. This is, this is important. I was brought forth, in other words, born in iniquity. The Bible tells us we are born in sin. That's why you always hear me say we have a sin nature that we have to deal with. We didn't ask for it but we have it since birth. Okay, we're born in sin, and he says, in my sin, and sorry, in sin, my mother 
conceive me. Okay, so we're born with it. We're born, that's why I say we're born with spiritual AIDS. Spiritual cancer, however you want to call it. A spiritual death sentence. Because of what Adam and Eve did. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inward part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be what? That goes back to Sunday with the blood. Though your sin be like scarlet, he'll wash you clean and white as snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Here it is. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Musicians, you can begin to come and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is the kind of attitude God is looking for. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Don't cast me away from your presence. Please, God, please, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. How many know it's common sense that if David is praying, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, the Holy Spirit can be taken from you. You don't have to be real smart to understand English. Right? Right? It can be taken. David was fearful that the presence of God would leave him. And like I gave that story not too long ago with Saul, Saul only cared what people thought about him. Saul only cared about saving face. David said, I don't care about what people think about me except you. Please don't take your spirit from me. Amen? Let's finish this. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then why, why does God do that for us? Because what's the goal? What's the mission? Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. If you don't change, they won't change. Right? Talk all you want. Witness all you want. Pass out Jesus cards all you want. If you don't change, they won't change. You can say it till you turn blue in the face. But they're looking for a life that's been changed. They're looking for somebody who means what they say. They're looking for somebody who backs up what they say and lives a life that acts like they love God, not just says they love God. And when we deal with iniquity the way God wants us to deal with it, we'll turn away from those things and people will be turned to Jesus because of us. Think about this. Let me leave you with a sobering thought. People, when they meet you, are doing one of two things. They're either turning to Jesus or they're turning away because of you. There's no in between. They meet you, they should want Jesus. Now, they can reject him, but what is the example that you're giving to them? Do they see Jesus in a way that they could have Jesus? Or do they see something in your life that claims to be Jesus that says, I'm, I'm just as good as they are. I don't need Jesus. Their life looks just like me. 
except they don't get to sleep in on Sundays. How many don't want to live that life? Amen? So we got to deal with it. Write this down for time. I forgot to put it in the notes. Here's what happens if we don't deal with iniquity. And no one in here is going to do this in the name of Jesus. Romans 1.28. If we don't deal with iniquity, put it this way. If you don't deal with sin, sin will deal with you. Right? Oh, I do have it. If you don't deal with sin, sin will deal with you. What does the Bible say sin will do? Kill you. The wages of sin is death. And so what happens if, if, if I don't do like David did and say, Lord, forgive me for my iniquity and turn and repent. Go ahead and put that back up, please. Romans 128. Here's what he says will happen. And, easy, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. If you don't deal with iniquity at some point, and only God knows what it is, at some point, God will stop dealing with you. And he'll turn, and he'll say, I'm done. Doesn't say he'll stop loving you, but he'll give you over to your desires. All throughout the Bible, you see it. He has a way that's, that's, that's good, but then he says there's a way that seems right unto man, and it's death and destruction. He says, choose this day whom you'll serve. He says, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. He gives us the option over and over again. But there comes a point in the time where he says, you've made your choice. My choice is going to be to turn from my iniquity because I want to go to heaven. I don't want to trample on the blood of Jesus. And finally, Micah chapter 7, look at this. Don't, don't ever think I'm not going to give you a message that's strong and not give you hope. Always give you hope. Always. At the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. 17? I don't think that's right. I might have, I'm going to have to read it. Go ahead and take it back down. Who is a God like you? I might have mistexted it, typed it. Who is a God like you? Listen to this. Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. Is anybody thankful for that? God doesn't hold grudges. Because he delights in mercy. Remember that mercy is not getting what we deserve. Amen? We deserve death. He delights in not doing that. And it says, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue, subdue our iniquities. And He says, You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. That's a promise. Amen? So God is faithful He's a just God, a good God, a forgiving God. But we have to get to a place in our lives where we understand that we cannot play with sin or mess with sin or sin will deal with us. We've got to get to a place where, in understanding, we don't have to do those things we've always done. We can be free. Tonight, Lord, I ask you to help us get understanding of what iniquity is. Lord, if we understand something, we respect it. If we respect it, we'll deal with it. If we deal with it, it won't deal with us. Lord, tonight in this place, there's tendencies all over this place. There's temptations 
all over this place. Lord, you give us a way out. Your word says in James and 1 Corinthians, whenever we're tempted, you give us a way out. Lord, we have to understand that we have the power, the willpower, the strength in Christ to say no to sin. We have a sin nature. We have a nature that is born in iniquity. But we can say no to that device, that that plan, that strategy that the devil places before us. We can resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Father, tonight all over this place, I pray that you give revelation to your people. What are you trying to tell us tonight? Sin is serious. Sin is dangerous. Sin separates us from God. But Lord, we don't have to walk in sin. We can have a sin nature, but we don't have to be sinners, God. We can walk in purity and holiness and righteousness. We can make godly decisions. We can depart from these things and turn the other direction and walk away from these sins. We can take the way out when you give it to us. Under the power of temptation, we can say no. Father, help us to have this revelation tonight so that all of us can overcome sin and defeat it by the blood of Jesus and walk victorious as all these scriptures told us. Create in us tonight a clean heart. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the Spirit of God is in this place tonight to help us to, to fear and respect iniquity and sin and understand that God's grace and mercy is powerful. How many in this place tonight under the sound of my voice have never said, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are my salvation. You are my hope. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You've never admitted that you're a sinner, and tonight you need a Savior. You've never confessed your sins. How many from front to back and side to side could say, Pastor, you're talking to me tonight. If I died tonight, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Just quickly lift up your hand and put it right back down. I want to pray for you tonight. Amen. God sees your hand. How many more? I want to pray for you. Just say, that's me. You're talking to me tonight. I want, to, I want the world to know. I want Jesus to know I'm not ashamed of what he did on the cross for me. Maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're, you're running away from God. You're running the wrong direction like the prodigal son. You're out living in sin. Maybe you're watching right now, and you've been out of church for a while. You need to come home. The Bible says, come home, wayward child. Let's stand all across this place tonight. We're going to say a sinner's prayer for those that are watching online tonight, and we're going to give people an opportunity on the podcast to, to repent of their sins. I want to remind you something tonight that, that are here. Many of you are here every single service. Many of you are here every single Wednesday. This is your church. This is your family. You're faithful. I want you to remember that when we do these, these calls at the end of the service, I want you to remember that we are trying to reach people with the gospel that have not heard it like you. And that we don't know who's listening to these podcasts. We don't know who's listening to these live streams. So don't, I want to ask you to not get bored or not feel like it's repetitive because you've heard it a million times. And as a matter of fact, every time you hear it, you should be thankful that you had the opportunity to accept Jesus in your heart. But there are people who are listening and watching who might only get one chance. And it might be tonight. They might have a gun to their head. They might be on drugs. They might have no hope. Tomorrow might be the day they meet Jesus and they don't know him yet. So just, just remember that at the end of these services. And as a matter of fact, I would ask you that when we get to this part that you would pray. When I'm doing this altar call, whoever's preaching is doing it, 
begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to pray for, to, these, to God that these people's hearts would be softened, that their eyes would be opened so they can know Jesus. Amen? Just say this with me tonight. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Your word tells me I'm a sinner. And the wages of my sin is death and separation from God. You cannot see sin. You're not okay with it. The only way you can look on us and not see our iniquity is by the blood of Jesus that your son shed on the cross for me. Tonight I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I come to your mercy seat and I call on your name and I believe that you are Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Please forgive me tonight. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and make me a new creation. Today's the beginning of my new life. The old man is dead and I have been born again. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this night forward, strengthen me, convict me, challenge me, draw me into your presence so I can depart from iniquity. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.